fashion stylist is without a doubt one of the most sought-after professions in the fashion industry right now. Straddling the roles of designer, curator, art director, connector, and trendsetter, stylists have given us some of fashion's most iconic and out-of-the-box moments. The role of a stylist is to analyze multiple visions and end goals, helping to position and often elevate people and moments through the medium of fashion. It's the ultimate position of power to control and enhance fashion's magical ability to transport us into another world and both empower and express oneself. In New Zealand, our fashion stylists are a rare breed, and the good ones are like hen's teeth. Too often, the fashion world chews them up and spits them out into the commercial world, which is a place where most stylists get the chance to cash in on their many years of training and experience to truly get paid what they're worth. Heading into fashion as a stylist is normally a financial death sentence, especially if your focus is on projects that are heavily art-focused and not commercially minded. Brands and celebrities will take advantage of you, selling you the ruse that their brand power will help you get ahead and the mere experience is what's valuable. Today's guest has ridden that creative wave and is now cashing in on many, many years of hard work and above all, being someone who, truth be told, no one has ever spoken a bad word of, at least to me. He first came into my world in 2013 and 2014 as a young stylist working on music video shoots with the likes of Stan Walker and Jenny Blackmore. In 2015, he landed a job with MindFood as their full-time Auckland-based fashion editor, and from there, his star has risen and risen. He's an ambassador for New Zealand Fashion Week and has remained a constant champion of our industry, using his position to open doors for others and shine a light on current issues that he holds close to his heart. It's my pleasure to welcome to Fashion and Focus today, Mr. Sammy Cowley-Lupo, a.k.a. Sammy Salsa. Woo! Hey, Sammy! Yo, what's up? How you doing, man? Good. That was beautiful. I feel like like I've passed on. (laughs) (laughs) That was Sammy's official eulogy. Oh, my God. Thank you for listening. Welcome to your life. Welcome to, yeah, (laughs) this is your life. I feel like that old dude who'd be like, "Let's, let's look back on 50 years. Yeah. No, but truth be told, Sammy, you're like, you're a young man, and even in 2014 and 15, that's only five, six years ago. So I'm saying you've done a lot because you have. Mm. But folks, he's not an old man. He's a he's a bright young thing. I, I do feel like I've aged a lot. <laughs> fashion <laughs> will do industry, that to you. <laughs> which, fashion, which ironically, fashion does that to you. But yeah, yeah when you look back at it, I think, mm. yeah, that was only like six years ago. Yeah. And... I know it was six years ago because last night I was trawling through your Facebook page, which hasn't been updated since like 2016 or something, because oh, right. you've been too busy, obviously. But there were some real moments there. And I was like, that, I remember that. I remember that. You know, like like all that stuff you did with Stan and your music videos and the Hair Awards shows and even things like the opening of Top Man and us sending you Lispec's glasses and stuff. Oh, like, my God, yes. That was like OG stuff. That was kind of, yeah, all that sort of stuff was kind of the things that I were was working on at the time. Yeah. Like the hair competitions. Yep. And the music videos were Stan. Yeah, Those yeah. were kind of the openings for me. Sure. I guess in the fashion industry to be able to, I guess, tell a story yeah. or speak a narrative um, on a platform that would only allow me to be there for yep. a certain time. So yeah, I right. kind of wasn't really in the fashion industry yeah. that I hoped for, but that was 
sort of the stuff that I really, really needed to yeah, kind cool. of get my foot in. So take us back a couple of years or months or whatever. Like, how did you get there? Like, did you, you can't study fashion styling. So how does, how does one become a fashion stylist? What like lit that fuse for you to go, hey, that's something I want to do. That's an industry I could be in. And like, how do you even define that role? Like, where did you see that and go, that's for me, you know? Well, you're, you're right. You can't study fashion styling. Like, to me, I, th- I feel that fashion styling um, is a way of storytelling. It's another form of storytelling. And for me, that's through clothes. And I could never get that in a classroom or at university or at a private training school. And growing up in high school, I'd always go to the library at my old school grandma. Um, I think I was fifth form at the time, and I remember picking up my first fashion quarterly. Right. Yeah, and I remember picking that up in the mag- in the library because we had them. That's awesome. Yeah, you had we, FQ in your library. Yeah, we had FQ in our library. Go Mount Roscoe Grammar. That's awesome. Well, I was never into sports or anything like that. All yeah, my right. brothers, they're all league players. So my family come from a family of sports players. And so for me, not being into sports, I was heavily into drama, Mm. um, costuming, music. Mm. And I remember picking up the Fashion Quarterly Mag in the library thinking, holy shit, I really feel like this is something I want to do. Wow. But I remember picking up that magazine and never seeing anyone that looked like me in it. Yeah, right. And so for me, wanting to further that sort of pathway after high school, I had no idea. Mm. I had no one to sort of look up to. Mm. I remember seeing Dan's name, Mm. Dan Awa. Yep. I remember seeing his name in one of the magazines. I can't remember what it was. It might have been Pulp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk, I talked to Dan a little while ago, and I was, like, th- throwing back to where we first met him. And he was, I think he would have been the fashion editor of Pulp magazine, and he was doing a whole bunch of freelance stuff. And it was, like, man, I remember when we were doing, like, a, probably a party, like, every two weeks. Like, yeah, yeah. For, like, Huffer and Newmarket and all this weird young stuff. And there he was, like, just hustling. Mm. You know, I don't even remember, like, I even remember a time when Dan was freelancing between Viva and FQ. Right. And then they were like, hey, man, one of us has got to have this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what was that like seeing Dan and being like, "Yeah, so that's I saw, the guy who's doing what I want to do? Yeah, so I saw his name in the mag and I was like, this guy's got to be brown. Like, with a last <laughs> name like that, I'm like, yeah. is he Moldy? Is he Salmon? And so I remember seeing that name. And then... Obviously, I graduated high school. I was a, I, I'm the eldest of five boys. Mm. So I was the first one to finish high school, which is quite an achievement from our extended family. Not mm. many of us have finished high school. Right. So for me, being the eldest, finishing high school, I went straight into the workforce to support my mum and my brothers. Yep. And then I actually started working on a TV show. So a lot of people don't know this, yeah. but I actually... That's why you're here, man. But I actually, <laughs> Tell the big stories. I know. This is the exclusive right now. Awesome. Um, I actually started off working as a music host on a TV3 show called Pacific Beach Street. Yeah. And at the time, it was the first ever um, Pacific TV show hosted by Four Brown Faces wow. on a mainstream network. And that's like, that's not that long ago, right? That's that was, like less than a decade, surely. It was just over a decade ago. Wow. And so I actually started off as their music host. Yeah. Um, sort of around, I think I was 19. Yeah. And um, that was my chance to interview New Zealand musicians. So it was kind of, I always um, compare it to the Brown version of Ice TV. 
Okay. If you remember ITV with John, was it John Bridges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Max TV, and there was like another thing with that. Who was that girl? Tony Marsh, who ended yeah. up being the weather girl on TV Three. Yeah, I think she's, yeah. she was through Max, or like where did Clark Gayford start? Yeah, that was another. Like, um, I think he's from Max TV as well. Yeah, I think he was C Four. C Four. C Four was another iteration of that. Okay, so yeah. that was like seminal moments in New Zealand media and especially music media, right? Mm. So that was my introduction to the music world. Right, okay. I'd always been into music growing up. Like, my parents had such an eclectic taste in music. And landing that TV role literally was me living my dream. That's as, awesome. <laughs> as a music host, interviewing all these um, well-known musicians. So people like Dave Dobbin, mm. um, Shehard at the time, mm. who are now, I think, Pacifier. Yep. Um, Jordan Luck, the Decepticon, right. Savage, yeah. Shafu. It was like iconic. Was that Savage musicians. before his uh, song dropped into uh, Knocked Up? Oh, it was yes, it was. Do you remember when Swing was yeah, in Knocked Up? So it was just it that was, was awesome. just kind of when Swing came out. Awesome and great it was, song. Yeah, and people like Aradna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. it, was, it was the time where like New Zealand R and B and hip hop. This is making so much sense because we'll get to it later. But you've got this music current running mm. through your work, and yeah. it started. Back when you were a host on TV. On TV. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I did that for quite a long time. I feel like I spent a lot of my early 20s on that show. Mm. Uh, and then eventually it came to an end as, you know, things do sure. with funding and all yep. that sort of stuff. But we left we left quite a big impression on, I think, New Zealand television as mm. um, sort of four faces that sort of paved the way for... And were any of the hosts. other guy, were any of the other co-hosts, were they known I mean, you, no offense, would have been an unknown quantity yeah, at that stage, I was right? Like, that's an amazing role to land. Yeah. And often those shows are kind of anchored by people who, like, have, you know, have got a reputation in the industry and they kind of carry that show forward. Was mm. anyone like that on your show or were you just, like, four completely fresh we people going, here's fresh, a new show? Here's a we, new were, show? <laughs> we were four fobs, basically. Right. Fresh off the boat. We had, <laughs> like, I had no TV experience. No one else had TV experience. We were four young brown faces, hungry right. to be in the entertainment industry, but also tell yeah. stories. Obviously, I was telling stories on behalf of the musicians, but in mm. my sort of take mm. and sort of how I saw fit for, I guess, a wider community. Yep. I mean, it's a brown show, but, mm. you know, the stories that we told were for everybody. Sure. I mean, even the people that you listed before, like, mm. you're not, it's not interviewing Pacifica artists or anything. It was no. a New Zealand show. That's amazing. And, and also that hunger and that drive and that passion and that I like we talked last week about fake it till you make it, you know, in fashion, that's such a overused term because people often get thrown in the deep end Yeah. and the hungry ones do really well, mm. but you can also get gobbled up and kind of spat out really fast, you know? So you were kind of proving early on that you could hold your own and you were like, yeah, come at me. Yeah. I always, <laughs> I always have this thing where people are like, Oh, like give me some advice for the fashion industry. Yeah. And I'm like, you need strong teeth and a strong gut because you get knocked in the teeth and yeah. you get kicked in the gut so many right. times. But you got to get back up if that's definitely something that you want to do. Mm. Uh, so I did that show. And mm. then when that came to an end, there came a point in my life where I felt like, okay, this is the time where I need to reinvent myself. You know, I've always wanted to be in the fashion industry. And for me, music and fashion are the perfect marriage. They go hand in hand. And... So before I got into the fashion industry, I actually met Stan. Right. And this was just after he'd won Australian Idol. 
And he was looking for a backup singer because he was about to tour New Zealand for the very first time. Right. Off the back of his win. Don't tell me you were his backup <laughs> singer. And so my good friend, Erica, who became one of his backup singers, was like, oh, you need to meet Sammy. Right. He sings, but he's also like, you know, he's got a great personality. Yeah. He's got a cool vibe. He can do everything. <laughs> yeah. He's got a cool style. You should you should meet him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I remember meeting him at my friend's house over in Takapuna. And um, we hit it off. And I ended up being his backup singer. Amazing. For uh, maybe a couple of years. Amazing. And we toured the country together. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew this about you. Yeah, so this I, I so used cool. to be Stan's backup singer. Wow. And then there came a point where I was like, you know what? I really need to get into this fashion game. Like, yeah. that's where my passion actually lies. Mm. So, But isn't it amazing that... Anyone who thinks that you get a direct route into what you love doing, mm. like, and it's hard telling young people this because they're told at school, if you want to be a doctor or an artist or an architect or whatever, you study these things and you go A plus B equals C. I mean, I studied architecture for three years and now I'm a fashion publicist. Like, how did I arrive here? Yes. But it's all experience and opportunities and having your friend who was like, hey, I'm going to hook you up with a buddy and this leads to that and boom, I'm a backup singer for two years. Yeah. And you kind of got to throw yourself into it sometimes, right? Mm. Like, not not necessarily, it's not throwing away your dream, but sometimes you just got to jump into new things. You yeah, know? absolutely. And sometimes you've got to feed yourself. Yep. yep. And I think people are scared of reinvention because they feel that reinvention means letting go of your past self. But for me, reinvention is evolving mm. and moving on to bigger and better things. Yeah, putting another layer on top, yeah. not eroding what's beneath, right? Yeah, absolutely, because I'm nothing without my past. Right. And so I'll, I'll never let go of that because that's what's made mm. me who I am today. Yeah. And so reinventing myself from being on television and then meeting Stan as a backup singer the reinvention was still happening. Mm. So I came to a point where I was like, okay, you need a stylist. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> great. And I'm your guy. And I'm your guy. Yeah. I know who you are. I've been with you yeah. for a couple of years. You need a stylist. You need mm. someone who's going to do all the hard work for you, mm. that's going to contact all the designers, that's going to source all the clothing for you, that's going to put your looks together. And, and was he even cognizant? Like, this is a crazy thing. And me being not from fashion, when I learned about stylist, I was still working for Karen Walker. And I was like, you need a what? Someone else is going to tell you how, how to, to put, put looks together? together? <laughs> no way, man. You're the best at this. And she was like, Muzz, sit down. <laughs> yeah. You don't understand. Like, And she worked with this amazing guy called Trevor Stones from Australia and put this beautiful collection together. And I, the penny just dropped when I saw what he'd done with the collection, which we as a team had all been looking at for three, four months. And so you're so deep inside it. Mm. And then you, someone else comes in with fresh eyes and goes, this is how it should be put together. Here's the vision. Here's the journey. Here's the dream, you know. And Sam, uh, sorry, Stan as a maybe, I mean, he probably likes fashion, but he's not a designer. Music's his thing. Did he even have a vision himself of like, this is how I want to look? Or did he go, Sammy, that's up to you. Go for it. He definitely has had opinions on what he wanted to look like. But I think for me, someone who came in with fresh eyes, who was sort of exposed to the elements of fashion and social media. Mm. Um, Which he, at that stage would have been in its infancy it, too, right? Yeah, like it would have just been like Facebook. Facebook <laughs> and maybe Instagram just starting. Yeah, yeah. And so for for me coming in with a whole new pair of eyes opened up a whole world to him that he didn't even know existed. Mm. And 
you know, I had to make sure that he trusted me and that mm. he that I trusted him. You know, it, it and that in itself was a marriage in itself between Stan and his stylist. Yeah, right. And we're coming up to about eleven years now yeah. working together. And that word trust is really important because as you will kind of unpack, I suppose, that role of a stylist, especially you you at that stage would have been quite new in the industry, right? So you're gonna bowl up to somewhere like Zambezi or Showroom 22, or Stolen Girlfriends Club, or Kate Sylvester, or Working Style, or whatever. And whether it's for Stan or someone else, you're going to go, hey guys, I've got this project, and I'm doing new promotional shots for this musician that some of you have never heard of, right? And a lot of the time, you'll get looked at, and they'll go, I've never dealt with you before. I don't know where this is going. Where are the credits coming from? What's in it for my client, you know? And for anyone else who kind of knows... You don't even have to know Sammy, but you need to kind of understand that role of the many pieces of the puzzle that fit together. No one bowls into work on day one in the fashion industry and just all the pennies drop for them straight away. Like, you got to deal with some people for years before they open the door for you, you know, yeah. and go, sure, you can have whatever you want, Sammy, go for it. Like, come into the showroom, take whatever you need, you know. And we, as a showroom, we definitely still don't have that with lots of people because we're just feeling them out and going, what are you actually doing with the product and where's it going? And yeah. if you lose it, can you pay for it? It's all those little mini things, you know? Which is understandable so, because at the end of the day, that's your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's lots of checks and balances in that. Yeah. Like, I mean, the credits thing is, I don't know, I always have admired brands like Zambezi. They they still, they seem to have had a good gut instinct for backing talent, raw talent, mm. without really much of an expectation of what they're going to get now, but saying, this is a journey for us. We're going to back you for a few years or whatever, you know. Um, and yeah, they're, they're but they're the they're the odd ones. Anyway, sorry, carry on because this is an awesome story. No, when well, when you say that, it's, it was so hard for mm. me to reach out to brands mm. and PR companies just to even like borrow a top. Yeah. Uh, so it took a lot of door knocking and emails back and mm. forth just to. Just to be able just to get something, just to put on, yeah. not even stand sometimes, but, mm. you know, just something that I was kind of working on just to even build the portfolio or what. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was quite interesting just kind of seeing who was supportive and who wasn't supportive. Mm. Uh, to this day, you know, everyone just kind of throws stuff at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I understand that because social media wasn't a thing back then. So mm. no one really had anything to sort of showcase their stuff on or to write off. Yeah. And someone like Stan who's shooting a new album cover, like there's not on the inside, it's not going to go Stan Walker dressed by, you know, yeah. shirt by Top Man, pants by Working Style, sneakers by Adidas or whatever. It's just going to be like that's Stan, mm. which if you are dressing Beyonce, people are going to be like, you can take whatever you want, you know. But because then they're going to use those images on their own social media and go, here's Beyonce wearing my beautiful shirt or my dress or my sneakers or my heels or whatever. But yeah, and you're right, before social media, we couldn't go, hey, Stan, can you chuck us a few behind the scenes images, maybe pop them up on your own Instagram, tag us, we'll be all good. Mm. Back then it was like, well, is it a magazine editorial? Where's it going? Where's it going? You know, where's this (laughs) stuff going to end up? And yeah, that's, it's still not something that we've quite figured out. You know, yeah. value in fashion is often measured in quite old, by me- old measuring sticks like credits. You know, um, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating microcosm of like 
how the fashion industry operates. Where's the currency? Yeah. You know, like actually you, Sammy, are now the currency. I would trust you with anything because I know that you're going to only enhance what you're working with, who you're working for. Mm. Back then, probably, no disrespect to you, Stan was the currency. And people who saw him and knew him would go, he's going to take my brand to new places. Not sure who the Sammy guy is. He's dropping by to pick up some stuff. And that's what it was. That's what it was, that's right? It's it kind of like you're then. a messenger almost, you know. You're, they wouldn't have seen you as the creative nucleus. Yeah, which is which is how I see myself now. Of course, um, but yeah. back then, people were just like, who the hell is this Sammy yeah. guy? Yeah. What does he want? Yeah. He wants our clothes? And they'll what turn for? up to set and they'll want to meet Stan. And they'll be like, hey, Sammy, can you hold these? Can you hang these up for me? <laughs> mm, exactly. <laughs> Not, can you talk to me about the vision here? You know? Yeah. So, right. we, yeah, so we, so I eventually ended up styling him for his first ever music video. Yeah. And then from then, it just, we built that trust and I've been styling him. Surely he's, he's just come back to you time and time again, right? Yep, like they always come back. Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't, doesn't always happen and you can... Yeah, it's that's testament to you as a person as much as it is a creative person because anyone who's seen Stan's evolution mm. as as an as a creative entity that has that has taken on like new iterations and you can see that he's not wearing the same stuff he did in 2015. Oh, his style has evolved. Right? He is he looked like last year those shots you did with him I think it was like a kind of a terracotta colored hat or a suit or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. my memory is wrong, but he looked amazing. And I was like, that's Sammy. Yeah. Well, he's, I've literally, I, I always joke to him about this. I say to him, I've been with you through your chubby phase <laughs> and now I've been with you through your sample size phase. Yeah, right. And we, we crack up about and it. And I make all you look time. good every time. <laughs> and, and you know, he went through, there was a period in his life where he was quite a thick boy. Mm. So obviously sometimes sometimes the samples wouldn't fit, mm. but it would make it work somehow, you know? And that was the beauty of that challenge was, okay, we can't get the samples because New Zealand sample sizes mm. are very Yeah, sample small. size is a whole other issue right Which now. Which yeah. change, yes. There's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then after what he went through with his cancer, mm. Um, he lost all that weight. <laughs> the first thing he said to me was, bro, I can fit sample size now. <laughs> and like the, just the glow on his face, like I'll forever remember that well, on his face. I mean, it comes from a really a, heavy place, but yeah, that's yeah. just, that's the connection that him and I have right. in our relationship. Which shows you how much he's begun to love fashion and, oh, he and his image based on fashion and looks and trend mm. and culture and everything, right? So, and that's, uh, you know, you said before, music and fashion are like inextricably linked. And we see that from the, well, I see that from the outside as a consumer looking at bands or Pharrell Williams or something and going, he looks cool and his music is fucking awesome. Therefore, those two things go together, you know? Yeah. But someone like Stan, maybe he came out of music and he's almost discovered fashion as this add-on that he's like, man, these two things, when they're in, symbi when they're in symbiotic, you know, like it's, all, it's, it's looking good, you know? Yeah, I saw the hunger in him wanting to stand out with not just his music, mm. but also the way he looked. Mm. Because I always tell him, I'm like, you know, people are going to listen to your music for two things, for your talent, for the song, mm. and they're also going to look at what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. And I think for him, that's always struck a chord with him. Yeah. And so he's always been very hungry mm. as an artist to look the part. Mm. 
Um, and that's also the hunger that I have within myself at the time to make something of myself within mm. the fashion industry so that, you know, people like Stan that I'm working with aren't just sort of seeing this, you know, ho-hum sort of brown boy who just randomly shows up with nice clothes. Mm. I wanted them to be able to say, yep, yeah, Sammy's my stylist. Yeah. Give right. him a call. You know, And is that, this is probably a bit of a, a guilty pleasure for you to look back on, but has that relationship, not to not to dilute it at all, but have you seen that relationship work in your favour as a as a way to get you more recognition in the industry and you've kind of grown with Stan yeah, absolutely. over the years? Oh, I don't even hide the fact that I feel like being attached to Stan has sort of catapulted me to some certain level mm. within the fashion industry and with other musicians that yeah. have approached me for styling help. Right. Um, I'm very grateful for the relationship that him and I have built and I'm always championing him um, in all my interviews and mm. when I talk about That's him. That's awesome, yeah. Um, because I feel like without that, who knows where I would be mm. today. Well, um, yeah. But I, I do... I do, I do um, appreciate what I've had with him. Yeah, for sure. I feel like and it's, it's definitely you know, it. it's hard to look back on it and go, where would I have been if I hadn't have met Stan that time in Takapuna? Mm. But, <clears throat> you know, people with talent normally are going to land on their feet, but you never know, right? No. You you never would have been able to go, oh, it would have panned out like this yeah. because, you know, yeah, you could have been right, but could have happened a, mil- a million different ways. That's, yeah. So talking about things that have shaped you and and your evolution through yourself and the industry and fashion and music and everything, what were those, because if anyone, like someone like me, I still look at you as a fashion stylist. Obviously today I'm learning that music is an even bigger part of your culture and your persona than what I thought it was too, because I see you working within music, but I didn't know that music was like half of Sammy Salsa, you know. I've actually got a I've actually got a New Zealand um Tui. Wow. I have one. From your time with Stan? No. From <laughs> Oh my God, folks, so, the story is getting thicker. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that so I'm heavily into music and I did a recording when I was like fifteen mm. with um a couple of Samoan musicians and we did a remake of an old school Samoan album yeah. that was huge in the South Pacific. And the year that we recorded it, we actually won a TUI. At, it was called a TUI at the time. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which is now the Vodafone New Zealand Music Awards. Aotearoa Music Awards. Oh, Aotearoa. Yes. Um, Name renamed like two weeks ago or something. Oh, very new. Yeah. Uh, so we actually have a TUI for our band that we had. Awesome. So a lot of people don't even know I'm a TUI. <laughs> I'm a TUI award winning fashion, fashion stylist. Fashion stylist. Wow. Okay. The plot thickens. Yes. Well, man, this is is blowing my mind. I don't (laughs) even have notes for this. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to try and stick to the stick to the pathway. But man, by all means, go off on some little little uh, journey because where you're taking us at the moment is awesome. But like, tell us like when so Stan's obviously been this quite seminal moment for you. And obviously then you kind of discover, actually, I'm the fashion guy. I'm not the backup singer guy. I've kind of established myself in a new role. And at, But that, at that time, stands your main project, right? Mm. What, do you, what do you do from there? How do you extrapolate that? How do you go, oh, it's like someone who all of a sudden discovers a camera and says the next day I'm a photographer. You can't really do that. No. So what's the journey? How do you go from like stand to the next one to the next one to a freelance job to an assistant job like tell us about 
how do you stretch out the accordion? You know, like. Well, yeah, the thing for me was I was working full time at the time. So I was literally working a nine to five job while I was with Stan. And so for me, like going freelance was not even an option mm. because no one knew who I was. I had no credentials. I had no backup. I literally needed to, I needed to feed myself. I needed to pay my rent. Sure. And so I was just doing, I was trying to connect with um, creative, like-minded creatives who weren't necessarily in the industry, but just were hungry for mm. um, to build creative content and imagery. And so I met a few people uh, in sort of like a few circles that I kind of found myself in. And we just started shooting our own sort of editorials. And a lot of the times we were just using our own clothes. Sure, yeah. Because <laughs> no one wanted to give us anything. No, I mean, and that formula, is the, we get that all the time in the studio. Like, oh, my, my sister's boyfriend's niece is a model or wants to be a model. Mm. And can we come in and borrow some stuff and we're going to shoot it on my mum's camera. And like, that's literally how everyone starts. Yeah. You don't just get thrust into an FQ cover shoot. No, you don't. You know, like and that's as, what I found out. Right. Right. That's what I found out. I thought But you build you build your own journey. And that's why you've got to be so tenacious, right? Because yep. if you someone knocks you off that path and says, sorry, the door closed, you could really easily go, you know what? I'm just gonna go back to that nine to fiver. This is hard. Yeah. You know, but you stuck at it. And so yeah, so I found it quite difficult and mentally it was quite hard because there were so many setbacks and I just thought, okay, like this is just not working for me. Like I'm, I feel like I have to work twice as hard. Mm. Um, and you're on your own too. You don't have own. an assistant or a boss or anything, right? You're feeling yeah, your way like through that. this thing on your own. And then there came a time where I did an interview with um, a Pacific um, media platform. Mm. And I remember sitting in that interview and they were asking all these questions like, oh, you know, it's so amazing you're this Samoan. They keep mm. saying Samoan. They keep saying Pacific. But you're Samoan and Nuwayan? I'm Samoan and Nuwayan, yeah. listening, yeah. Um, but they, so they keep reminding me that I was Samoan and Pacific mm. and I thought, fuck, you know what? Mm. I am Samoan and mm. I am Pacific. So Do you think they were, they were saying, like, why were they, I mean, obviously, if that platform is speaking to that community, they're trying to say, hey, this guy is from your community and he's doing this thing. Yeah. But, like, to keep highlighting that, do you think, was it, building a, an idea in your mind that, like, people don't talk about, oh, you're a European, you're a New Zealand Pakeha stylist. No, they you're don't. You're just a fashion stylist. Yeah, you know? but, um, but I feel like with them saying that to me was a great reminder for mm. me to think, okay, you know what, I am actually, I am Pacific, I am mm. Samoan. Why don't I utilise that in this whole mm. different world that I don't see myself in? why don't I utilize that and be proud of who I am and mm. sort of take that and run into this, you know, mainstream fashion industry. And so for me, um, telling myself that and being proud Samoan and being proud Pacific, I kind of utilize that as a positive mm. to sort of help establish me as this persona mm. in the in sort of a mainstream world. Because yeah. a lot of the times I felt like I was just trying to be something that I wasn't. You know, I wasn't wearing designer labels. I wasn't mm. going to like VIP parties. I, you know, I wasn't part of the the it fashion crowd. Mm. But that's at that so, time, it was like, something... that's really upsetting, actually, Sammy. Sorry, you're all good. That's really fucking upsetting that you had to justify 
to yourself mm. that you would use Samoan as a positive. That fucking <sighs> sucks, man. Sorry. You know, that you had to say to yourself, oh, you know what? I'm going to use this as a positive thing. You're so fucking good at what you do, man. You're so good at what you do. Yet to get a foot in the door, you had to justify it to yourself. It fucking sucks, man. I'm sorry. It was, um... <laughs> sorry. Um, I you, think... know, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, I think I've never heard of... you say that before. And that's... I think a lot of... A lot it's of... hard to hear, man. Yeah, a lot of that comes from um, growing up in my family and, mm. you know, we came from nothing. Um, we came from poverty. We came from domestic abuse. Mm. And a lot of the time for me growing up, I never wanted to be brown. Mm. Um, I lived my life wanting to be anything else except for Polynesian because I was like, why are we poor? Mm. Why? Why do I have, why do I have to live like this? And, you know, I was going to school, seeing all my non-brown friends, you know, with the, with the most smallest thing, like a lunch. Mm. And so I grew up really hating who I was as a Polynesian because we were living this life. Mm. And I think for me, trying to break into the fashion industry as this fake person, um, Mm. really didn't do wonders for my character and who I was. Yeah. So I think, you know, once I broke through that and told myself that, okay, I'm I'm Sammy Salsa, but first and foremost, I'm a proud Samoan Niue and, mm. and I'm a proud Pacific and I'm here to navigate this predominantly white space yeah. that I know nothing about. And yeah, I'm going to take my people a, with me. It's a scary thing to look, look into, right? Like mm -hmm. go... Hey, there's not many of of me here. I'm jumping into this thing, you know. Yeah, and it was very scary. I had no idea what I was jumping into. Mm. Um, and then you eventually find your feet, and you find people that are supportive and that mm. will take a chance on you. Um, and then eventually you find your way. Mm. But it it's not. It's easy. a dark tunnel to be in, though, man. <laughs> Far out. Yeah. <laughs> are you all good? Yeah. Sorry. But. Sorry for making you cry. I made Murray Bevan cry. <laughs> Shit. But, yeah, oh. like, it's it's just, I don't know, like, fashion always seems fun and it always seems light and it seems exciting and there's always a deadline to meet and there's a shoot to be at and it's like go, 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 you know. And everyone's struggles are different, you know, like I was saying to someone the other day who, you know, I was supposed to meet them last week and they had to pull out and they were like, hey, you know, had some stuff go down with my family and that was like, hey, everyone's got their shit. Yeah. If you want to talk about it, just call me up. Everyone's going through their stuff. Don't think that it's a perfect world where everything's airbrushed and Instagram is the reality, you know, like, but so many people do know you as this charming, like, can work a room guy that knows everybody that comes in and people are throwing everything at you. Like, Sammy, take whatever you want. Yeah, you're shooting this, shooting that. Be my guest, you know? And it's it's just, it's, I don't know, sometimes you don't want to peel back the layers of the onion and reveal to them where you started because everyone started from somewhere. Yeah. But it's just amazing that 
you see someone's finished product. Yeah. It's very very rare that we get to appreciate the evolution. Mm. You know, like went from here, a little FQ in a library, a little, hey, what am I doing compared to my brothers and my family? And is it sports for me? Is it culture? Is it drama? Is it photography? It's music, you know? And then you go bang, 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 and here you are. It's yeah. just awesome to 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 see the layers clearly, you know? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of layers, and yeah. I don't peel back much mm. because... No, none of us do enough, <laughs> you know? Like, it's... No, and I we're think... We're trying to put on a show. Yeah, we're always trying to put on a show. Every time I walk into a showroom or mm. or a, di- a designer's um, workroom, you know, we're always trying to put on a show. We're mm. always trying to... Um, Exude something of some sort. Sure. Sell the dream, man. Sell the That's dream. That's what fashion's about, right? sometimes I just right? want to go home and, like, crash out. <laughs> it's, it's quite tiring. i got to say, this year has been so stressful, and I've never eaten as much McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> New little McDonald's on the way home. That drive through oh, has been my savior. But, yeah. That's the funny thing. We can all hang out at, like, some fancy restaurant, sipping on champagne that someone yep. else paid for. But, um, no, fashion's, fashion's not always an easy an easy ride. No, it's not. And that's why I'm always super open to young creatives mm. who want a hand or who want advice or who just want some sort of um, support with navigating Absolutely. the fashion industry because I yeah. know exactly what it's like to to kind of start from scratch mm. and start from the bottom. And, and there's very few people like you, Sammy, and I think Dan, to shout out Dan again, he's another guy that gives us time. And, mm. you know, we did that um, – that we had that group come up from the EIT in Hawke's Bay yes, a couple of weeks I, ago, right? Yes, I wish I was there. But you said yes, and that's what counts. Yes. And then Sammy got booked on a big flash job. But anyway, the well, thing... Well, the job got moved <laughs> out of my control. <laughs> but the thing I said to everyone who came to that was that our industry is not very good at sending the elevator down or giving our time or reaching out to the next guy. Like, I lost count of the amount of times that someone's emailed me going, hey, Murray, I, you've never met me. I've just come back from London or I'm just in my last year of university and I want to know what lies ahead. I'm like, come in. I'll just talk at you for 30 minutes. <laughs> but, like, it's just, it's rare. There's always there's always an excuse to be like, oh, too busy. Yeah. Or, oh, I don't know that person, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's what we've got to change that. Yeah, and that's what I've told myself is you're never too busy. Mm. If someone needs a helping hand, you can literally dedicate some time aside to help that person. Mm. And, th- and my mum's always told me that. You're, you're never too busy for family. Sure. Yeah. Well, family is a different thing, but also, like, I think we've all got a bit of a responsibility, mm. especially in a pretty tiny industry like New Zealand. Yeah. Like, yeah, we do a lot of stuff. We probably punch above our weight, but the industry's tiny. It's it's laid on a foundation of hardly any money. <laughs> There's very few people that make big money in New Zealand fashion, you know. So to get to be one of the building blocks, which you've which you've definitely come to, like I wouldn't even be able to really list on one hand the amount of stylists that have your standing in our industry right now. And, you know, like you've got to give a little bit of yourself to the next guy, you yeah, know, and be that's... like, hey, you know what? Yeah. Call me up, 10 minutes on the phone. If that's all I can handle today, I'm going to give you all my attention for that little minute. You know, like we've all got that responsibility. Yeah, I totally agree. I've, I'm in this industry now and it's I have to, you know, dedicate my time and mm. I guess knowledge of what I've learned and 
onto the next generation. And and on that note, like now that you have, and I, I mean, you don't have a big ego, but I'm kind of like stroking it at the moment, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now that you have a bigger reputation, you know, there's stories about you, you're in Sunday Magazine, like you're a presence. Do you find that there are more people coming to you, especially younger creatives going, hey, how do, what was your journey? How do I, how do I start? Where do I go? How do I find my Stan Walker? You know, like, have you, do you think you've cracked open a bit of a door to open for other people to go, that guy can show me the way? Yep, absolutely. Especially within my own community. Mm. Um, A lot of the kids that come through have, there's a prominent sort of through line that they all message. And that's like, I don't see anyone like me. Yeah. Like you, besides you. Yep. You know, how do I get into this? You know, I don't want to be a fashion designer. I don't want to be a writer. Mm. Um, I I just want to tell stories through clothes. I want to be able to, you know, say, put my name on an editorial. Like, how yep. do I get there? Yep. And so for me, as a Samoan Nguyen in the fashion industry in New Zealand, like, it's my job, mm. I feel, like, it's my duty to be able to take those kids and support them mm. and nourish them mm. because they are our future. And without them, there is no... Mm future in New Zealand fashion. Mm. Because if you look at the makeup of what we have here in the industry, it's it's multicultural. It's a mix. Absolutely. Um, it might not be the mix that I would hope and dream for for my time here at the moment, but I feel like we're still working on that. Mm. And I feel like if there are people like myself and like Dan Auer um, who champion our communities with the support of people like Showroom 22 mm. and, and the designers like, um, you know, the Finlay family yeah. from Zambezi. I feel that, you know, we're all a powerhouse together. And mm. I think the conversation still needs to happen yeah. around that sort of stuff so that we're able to nourish our next generation mm. so that they, you know, have a platform and have a pathway to be able to, I guess, live their aspirations within the fashion industry mm. so that no one has to go through what I went yeah. through. Because it wasn't easy. No. And I think fashion is a victim of its own creation. You know, like there are, and this is the crazy dichotomy in fashion and kind of the irony, I suppose, is that fashion's role, apart from making product to clothe us all, this the image, while people like you create that image, it also creates this image of what the fashion industry looks like or should look like, or if you're going to be a part of the fashion industry, it, you should look like this. And this is this is how it goes, and quote unquote, you know? Like, there's very few people that come out with a new idea. Yeah. Because it's very formulaic. You know, there's not that many entrepreneurs in fashion who go, we should do this a different way. You know, and I kind of what I wanted to see after lockdown, especially with all the magazines that went under, which was so incredibly sad, and there was all these people, hundreds of people left who were uber creative, who were just like, like literally we had people in the showroom in the studio every week, multiple times a week, just creating and shooting because they couldn't stop. And I was like, God, I can't wait for where that goes next. Is it going to come into the form of a magazine or are we going to see something else evolve from that? You know, Is it going to be a show? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be small, like, boutique showings or one-on-one unveilings with designers or is it going to be illustrative or is it going to be music, you know? And unfortunately, a lot of it has permeated back into the medium of magazines, but I still reckon, 
I still think there's better ideas out there. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a lot of people that maybe aren't being given the voice to go, I've had this great idea. <laughs> yeah. It should be showcased like this, you know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, sometimes people are scared of like something new. Mm. Uh, whereas for myself, I've had to think of something new every single day just yeah. to get by and just to, I guess, solidify myself in the industry. Mm. So I understand um, being able to, like, like I said, reinvent yourself on the go, mm. off the cuff or just like that. Mm. Because that was my means of survival. Yeah. Um, and People the, talk about industry, pivoting this year. Yeah, You've been pivoting in all your life. <laughs> in an industry that yeah. chewed me up at some point and spat me out. Mm. But when they spat me out, I landed on my feet. Yeah. Yeah. So That's awesome. I think, um, yeah, the lockdown was a good time to reflect and mm. reset. I was the same. I was hungry for something creative to the point where I ended up styling my boyfriend mm. in his backyard. He's a good-looking guy. <laughs> I ended up styling him in the backyard because I was like, let's do a photo shoot. And so Those <laughs> images are great. Like, they've got this raw, like, un, kind of un or underproduced kind of vibe to them. But that's fashion doesn't have to be overproduced. That's, no. the, that's the other thing. You don't need... A thousand dollar studio, a six thousand dollar camera. Need, you don't need a, a top New Zealand designer no. label to be able to tell that story. Mm. And I feel that's what's that's the beauty of where I've come from is our culture is so resourceful mm. that we can make something beautiful out of nothing. And mm. that's what we're brought up on. That's what we're brought up on is mm. that you know you have this much on your plate, but you can turn it into yep. something bigger than that. Mm. Style is not brand. No, it's not. It's definitely not. You know, that's what I think a lot of people that also want to be seen as fashionable, it's very different to be fashionable than it is to be stylish. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a few people in our industry who, I mean, Kylie Cook was, God, she could make anything look amazing. (laughs) And half of it's not branded. You know, she's made it herself or Mm -hmm. she's like reappropriated some vintage thing from a skirt to a scarf. You know, Colin Mathura Jeffrey is another guy. It's like, he's not dripping in Balenciaga. The guy just knows how to look good. Yeah. You know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he turns himself out pretty well every day. You know, like, there's something to be said for people like that too. Yeah. And so I just feel like, you know, our ancestors came from that, you know, mm. working with nothing, being resourceful. And we're now living testament of that today. Mm. And I guess we'll still carry that with us. Yeah. Um, it's true creation, right? True creation, yeah. yeah. That's why I feel, you know, with the whole social media age, you know, all these influences and stuff, mm. and, you know, they some of these influences have, you know, fashion stylists in their bios, and I'm like, have you have you walked mm. in my shoes yet? Yeah. For you to be able to call yourself that? Yeah. So I have Also, this- like, how many bulldog clips do you own? <laughs> <laughs> you need a few, you know, like... Yeah, so I have this thing with, like, you know, New Zealand influencers calling themselves stylists, you know, after they've just opened up a package and tried on the clothes in the mirror. Because mm. um, for me, as a true creative, I feel that is disrespectful to, you know, not just myself, but other true creatives that I love and appreciate and work alongside. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting take on that. But Mm. Who, who am I to say you can't do that? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but it, but it's interesting. We go back to that first point of, like, you came into this industry not quite knowing 
like you weren't gunning for a role as a fashion stylist. You kind of fell into this thing and then you went, I think that role could suit me and there's a guy that trusts me and blah, 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 and here you are, right? Yeah. So again, to say all of a sudden, I am a stylist and then tomorrow you are a stylist because it says it on your business card and your Instagram profile, it, it is, you're right. It's not doing justice to the hard work and it's not like someone who goes and gets some Crayola paint is not mm. an artist tomorrow, yeah. not by my definition of the word anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think a lot of good people, you know, there's you, there's others who have been in the industry, you make it look easy because... Do I? Yeah, you do. <laughs> like, I often tell my team and anyone who comes into the showroom, like, if we're talking about changing the mannequins or re-merchandising, I'm like, I am horrendous at that. There's a reason why I wear, like, classic stuff because I'm not a fashion guy, like... A cos long sleeve knitted polo and some Levi's chinos <laughs> and some white sneakers. It's about as you know audacious as I get. But yeah, you guys, you do make it look easy, and you also because you're so busy, it looks effortless too. But you know, I know how hard you work, and it's testament to your passion. And you want to be here because you actually want to create. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to be here, and I, you know, I go to sleep thinking about fashion, I wake up thinking about fashion. I'm pretty sure I dream about fashion too. Mm. Um, and so, I've, yeah, it's only been like just recently where I've actually sat down and told myself like, wow, I really am that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that in the most humble way possible because I think a lot of the times we we are told not to sort of be above ourselves. Yes. And that's that's me personally. It's um, a very Kiwi thing too. Yeah. Not that you're a Kiwi, but it's, but it's, it's a New Zealand specific. cultural thing too, to be like humble. Yeah. You it's know? just like our families have always been told, like wherever you go, make sure you're humble. Mm. Make sure you're not above everyone, anyone else, that you're mm. the same level. And obviously that stuck with us well into our adulthood. But mm. for me personally, I feel like we don't tell ourselves enough that, you know, you actually are the shit. Mm. You really did that. Like, you actually came through with that, and that was your mm. hard work. Yeah. So we, you know, one person I really admire is Paris Goebel. Mm. You know, she will, she knows who she is as an artist. She She's paving the way for her and her um, fellow dancers, but also as a Pacific woman. And she's constantly telling herself and her team that they are the best, that she's the bomb. Mm. And I praise that so much because mm. I feel like as um, creators, we never we never tell ourselves that we're the shit because mm. we don't want people to go above and beyond us and think, okay, mm. that guy's too cocky. Yeah. It's finding the balance of like cocky mm. and actually like you actually are the shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things we always talk about in the showroom is like never believe your own hype because once you do, it's you're done, you know? And I think there's a difference between believing the hype because the hype is often more than what you actually are, yeah. you know, but confidence and assuredness and knowledge and trust in what you're doing, that I think is what you're talking about. You don't have to go around being like, I'm great, I'm great, I'm amazing. No. But you have to know that you're good and trust mm -hmm. that you're good and stay the course, yeah. you know, because then also true happiness. Yeah. You know, like don't chase the money. The money will come later if you're good at what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, do what you love and be good at it and dedicate yourself to that. And yeah. people will find you. Yeah, that's so true. You know, find what you love and be fucking good at that. Mm. 
which is what I feel like I've done. <laughs> yeah, you have, man. And then the hype will come naturally around you. You don't have to be part of the hype. But also you're not chasing the hype. Like you didn't get into it to be hyped. Yeah. You know, you didn't get into it to be written about. Mm-hmm. You got into it because you were like, that's my art. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I see my styling is, this is my art. This is my canvas. The clothes are telling the story. You as the person viewing it, you can take whatever you want from it. If you think it's hideous, that's totally up to you and that's fine. If you think it's the bomb, then I'll mm. take that on board. But it's open to interpretation. I'm not here to make beautiful images for everyone to agree on and be like, yo, that's amazing. If you think it's shit, then I appreciate your feedback and your opinion because art is open to interpretation and your own personal, I guess, likes. Because otherwise, if you're just making stuff for people to appreciate every time, then that's just boring. Mm. Yeah. And I think we have to get over that in the New Zealand industry. Mm. Don't do uh, what you've seen yesterday and try and recreate it. No. and you Be know, inspired like, by it, but absolutely. take and it up Be open to like criticism because I feel like everyone's too precious sometimes. Mm. Um, have a cry. Yeah, have a cry. <laughs> have a cry. Like me and Sammy. <laughs> I've cried a lot in the industry, and um, this is the first time I've cried on a podcast. <laughs> hey, man, same. Feels for everything. Uh, Amazing. Well, Sammy, we're going to wrap it up there, man. That was awesome. That's one of the best recordings I've ever done. Thank you so much great. for having me. I really appreciate it. You're the man. All Thank right. you, bro. That was the latest from Fashion and Focus. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of our conversation. Check out more of our episodes on your favorite podcast feed and get in touch with us at Fashion and Focus at showroom22.com.